You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryer, your semi-trusty, if not entirely talented host of the program, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Folks, it is game week, so if you're going to immerse yourself in Southeastern Conference football coming up this weekend, because you got to get ready, right? By the latter stages of the week, you're mentally preparing. You're getting yourself where you need to be from a psychological standpoint. And then, of course, through Saturday, through those 11 a.m. games, through the 6.30 kickoffs, you got three 6.30 games on Saturday night, including the Alabama Crimson Tide set to take on the Missouri Tigers in Columbia, Missouri. You need to take care of that significant other because if the wife and or the husband or the husband – isn't particularly maybe fanatical about the Southeastern Conference football like you are. You need the doghouse prevention, and you can get that there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Outstanding chocolate, outstanding treats. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither. We also have intern James in tow as well. And together, we're all going to combine to form the 60-Minute Man of Sports Talk Radio. Joe Gaither, Chicago Joe Gaither, once again, just an outstanding job in my place last week. I was out in the Big Sky area of the United States of America. I was playing Rip Wheeler, you know, from the great show Yellowstone. That's basically what I spent last week doing. And Joe Gaither, once again. A superstar for us there at Tide 100.9 FM doing an outstanding job. Thank you so much, Joe, for your great work. No problem. You didn't have an, uh, too many complaining emails, did you? <laughs> no, which probably means that it's probably time for Southern Fried Sports to call it a wrap. No, 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 no. 100.9 FM. Maybe, it's, maybe the show has run its course, but uh, we're back nonetheless, and it was. It was a great trip. Uh, the Chocolate Lady just uh, – absolute mvp of the whole thing planned it out i mean we went fly fishing in the snake river we went on a trail ride horseback trail ride in the grand teton uh forest national forest out there uh in wyoming the jackson hole area ended up spending the night in a teepee in montana on one of our last nights up there so we kind of covered it you know and certainly catching up with the oldest evan ryer resident of butte montana these days that was the highlight but uh a great trip i will say this if you haven't jumped on a horse in say 35 years prepare yourself for about two weeks post ride of agony at least that's the case for me right now you know there's that soreness you get the next day that you sort of anticipate when you do something physically that you haven't done in oh i don't know what three or four decades but then there's that soreness that when you get in your 50s, I guess, it's immediate. Like, you don't even get off the horse and get into the vehicle, and you're already sore. That was the case on the trail ride. Just an hour trail ride, and it about killed me. 
But uh, that's kind of where we're at these days. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Monday morning, again, it is game week coming up at the top of the hour. Nick Saban, virtually going to hold his typical game week press conference at high noon. Uh, reporters, media, will be joining in via Zoom, so uh, we won't be convening at the Naylor Stone Media Suite, as is typically the case when it comes to Nick Saban press conferences. So you'll have Nick Saban coming up. He'll be talking about his football team. He'll be talking about the matchup with the Missouri Tigers coming up on Saturday. So it's here, folks, ready or not. And unfortunately, looking around the old timeline here in the last 15 minutes or so, uh, you're seeing some Power 5 programs around college football not sounding as if they're uh, exactly whole. And we learned last week that this Missouri team uh, is going to be without 12 players, at least on Saturday night. So with that in mind, I decided, look, we need to check in with Dave Matter. Does an outstanding job covering the Missouri Tigers for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We're going to do that at the bottom of the hour. So we'll get some Missouri perspective from Dave, again, a longtime authority when it comes to University of Missouri sports. Last day, point blank. Missouri going to have enough to play on Saturday night? We did see the SEC came out with game protocols, roster protocols for member teams here in the last week. Uh, will Missouri be able to meet those numbers when the Crimson Tide comes calling uh, again on Saturday night? So we'll ask Dave about all that, and we'll get into some winners and losers from the sports weekend. If you have some of those, we'd love to hear those as well. That is posted on the personal Twitter feed, at Travis Ryer, T-R-A-B-I-S-R-E-I-E-R. There you go. Um I got to say, I know it's Chicago Joe Gaither we got here. I know Joe Gaither's happy about his Bears, Joe. You're 2-0, right? Isn't that the Chicago Bears right now? That's right, 2-0. Falcons next week. Oh, talk about winners and losers. The Bears a winner. How about the Falcons? (laughs) Jeez. I mean, even by ATL pro sports standards. Yeah, that was next level ATL. Bottom level, I guess you could say, ATL yesterday at Jerry World. Um, what was the record? What was the stat? Teams that had scored at least 39 points and not turned the football over were 440 and 0, I think it was, in that scenario. Before yesterday, before the Atlanta Falcons. You know, the Atlanta Falcons make me feel good about my Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, that Gary Harris, he likes to give me grief on text. You know, whenever something bad happens to my Jacksonville Jaguars, I always get a, I always get a condescending text from the kid. You know, oh, look at the Jags. You know, Jags are tanking. Jags this and that. Well, what about your Falcons, Gary? You get a text yesterday? yesterday. Huh? You didn't get a text from Gary yesterday? No, no. No, it's crickets from Gary, you know, with that 0-2 start. For his Falcons. But, uh, hey, at least my Jags have some grit, right? You know? Speaking of which, look, Joe, I'm glad you got to see your Bears here in the Birmingham, Tuscaloosa market yesterday on CBS in that early game against the New York Giants. But what the hell was CBS 42 thinking? You know, first of all, CBS is the AFC network. And I understand sometimes there has to be accommodations made based on the breakdown of games. Sometimes you'll get an NFC game on CBS. But why do I got the Bears and the Giants here in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, when you've got a team four hours up the road in the Tennessee Titans that played in the AFC title game back in January? What what was that about, CBS 42? You know, I got to start hitting up the oldest kid for the pirate feeds and I'm four hours away from an AFC team that played in the final four in January. What was that? I was thankful to not use the pirate feed yesterday. What? I was very thankful to not use the pirate feed yesterday. You know, they're going to come take me away one day for that probably. And, uh, probably shouldn't be talking out of school about that, but that's what I'm left to do. 
you know, when I'm four hours away from Nashville and I can't get a Tennessee Titans game. Instead, you give me the Bears and the Giants? Other than Joe Gaither, other than Joe Gaither, who else within a three-hour radius of Birmingham really wanted to see the Bears and the Giants in the early game on CBS yesterday? Joe, do you think you had any company in wanting to see that game? Uh, one or two. I know there's some Giants yeah. fans at the sta- at the station, but that's about it. Trash. Awful. Awful. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. I think that may be the saddle sores speaking, Joe. That's a little okay, salty. You. Little pain, little pain there. You know, with the one hour trail ride. That's all it took. And by the way, if you're wondering what the name of my horse was, Joe, I thought it was perfect. You know, there was about ten or twelve people on this trail ride, and they start pairing you up with the horses, and they pull up my horse, and I tweeted a picture of him, and of course. His name, Whiskey. Huh? I mean, was that just, just just made total sense? Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with JR on a game week Monday. JR, how you doing this morning? Yes, it is game week. How about that? How about it? We made it. We think we made it. We're going to check in on Mizzou, see what's going on out there. Uh, I don't know what would happen if they, they just, just bail out and don't want to play. <laughs> You know, there is uh, enough of a cynic in me, and it's probably awful, Jr. that I'm this way, but I see some of these teams, you know, kind of opting out of games or reporting numbers, and sometimes in my mind I question whether or not they actually want to play anyway. Is that awful exactly. of me to think that way? <laughs> and I'm afraid that may hold true through the season, you know, because, I mean, if you're a 20-something point underdog, and you just don't want to get embarrassed. Well, that'd be your that'd be your way to opt out. You know. Yeah. I yeah. hate to see that. You know, because that's just. But anyway, um, I, that's part of what I want to talk about. I really kind of t- I called spontaneously and uh, and really hadn't prepared much of a conversation with you, but I think we can shoot from the hip and make it through it. Yeah, hit me with it. Let's do it. All uh, right, but um, yeah, this uh. How do you feel like this is going to affect the, the national championship? I mean, how are they going to arrange, arrange this with everybody starting at different dates and finishing in different times and having their net, having their uh, conference championships? It's just going to be, to me, very difficult. I mean, somebody's going to end up playing right back to back, you know, with mm-hmm. um, from their championships to into the uh, playoffs, and you know, I don't know is that, how's that going to work out. Yeah, you know, Jr. you're old enough like me. You remember the movie Cannonball Run with yeah. Burt Reynolds and oh, Don yeah. DeLuise? You kind of had an assortment of stars at the time back in the late 70s, I guess it was. Remember, yeah. it was about the car race sort of across the country, and people were taking all kinds of different routes to try to get to, I guess it was maybe Vegas was the finish line, something like that, or Miami, somewhere like that. I get Smokey and the Bandit. And Cannonball Run mixed up a little bit because they were kind of the same, but not really. Anyway, I think that's kind of the the route we're looking at here, as you said, with you know so many of these leagues starting at different points. You know, the Big Ten ultimately, and we can talk about medical advancements and things like that. Give me a break. The bottom line is, it finally dawned on the Big Ten that it was about to be sitting on the sideline while the rest of the college football world continued to rotate. The world didn't stop, right, when the Big Ten (laughs) opted out. I think that was a harsh reality for that league. And so here comes the Big Ten back in. Look, Big Ten really has no room for error with its start date now. And the time frame involved with getting this thing in and being able to have enough of a resume – for your member schools pending postponements and potential cancellations are that you play are this legitimately a viable candidate. So, uh, you know, I think that's the hope as we move forward. But I don't think there's anything in the way of guarantees. There's not guarantees for the SEC right now that they're going to be able to pull this thing off. But you talk about starting even a month later, uh, like the Big Ten is going to attempt to do, uh, that, that, that's even a tighter window there. 
precisely. They're not going to have to play less games, are they? Well, they're going to play eight, right, and then a plus one based on record. They're going to add an additional game to try to beef up that number before the Big Ten Conference Championship game. So uh, they're, they're trying to play nine ultimately with the Conference Championship game where you've got uh, the other leagues, uh, Power Fives, you know, who knows what the Pac-12 is ultimately going to do. Uh, the Pac-12 just may go ahead and play spring football in the fall for all we know, practice. But you're going to have mostly 10-game regular seasons with the other Power Fives with conference championship games as well. Well, good deal. I um, I just hope it works out, and we, you know, we, and everybody's been. I've been hearing the mention of it there being an asterisk beside the champion you no. know, this year, and, and I, you know, I just say, hey, everybody should, you know, they're playing by the same rules of, yeah. you know having to deal with the same issues so it's just it's no more different than 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 a regular season it's just in the in the way in the fact that you know that each team has to play their best you know what they got yeah uh, so, no doubt anyway, about it hey, it's been a long time uh travis since i spoke with you and, and i'm gonna try to uh hook back up with you more often and Especially here now that we got the season started, I, I've just been a little bit down with about all this uh, delay and, and all that. So, but anyway, appreciate your chat, and uh, we'll be in touch more often. Sounds good. Thanks, Jr. Jr. Checking right. in on a Monday morning. You can too at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We've already talked about the legitimacy and those type of things. Had the Big Ten sat out entirely. You know, I think it would have to be noted in that scenario that the Big Ten did not play football in the fall of 2020. But as I said, probably about a month ago now, no apologies necessary if the Big Ten had sat out and you still had a national champion coming from three of the Power Five leagues. And, you know, maybe even UCF, after watching UCF, I know we give UCF a lot of grief here for that 2017 national title. But UCF looked damn good on Saturday in Atlanta. And that's understanding. That wasn't uh, 1990 Georgia Tech we're talking about here. But uh, Dylan Gabriel, left-handed Hawaiian quarterback. Does that sound familiar from Oahu? Dude looked a lot like Tua against that Georgia Tech defense. UCF, very impressive. UCF now, though, with the Big Ten. UCF is one of those teams that has to hope it doesn't work out for the Big Ten in terms of trying to fit all that into a tight window, you know, and and can't make it work. Uh, Because with the Big Ten coming back into play and perhaps even the Pac-12, that's who obviously is going to fill the brunt of that. Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. We're going to get into some winners and losers from the sports weekend. Dave Matter of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch coming up on the program at the bottom of the hour. All that and more when the program returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. If you're looking... From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Stewart filling in for Roger Hoover. And finally, it's game week for Alabama football. Coach Nick Saban's Crimson Tide will travel to Columbia, Missouri Saturday to take on the Tigers. Kickoff time set for 6 p.m. Central. ESPN will televise the matchup, and we'll have all the radio coverage here on the Crimson Tide Sports Network beginning at 3. Missouri football has four players listed on the preseason All-SEC Coaches team, first-team linebacker Nick Bolton, Tyree Gillespie, who's a senior defensive back on the second-team unit. Joining him on the second-team squad is defensive lineman Kobe Whiteside, and Larry Roundtree III is a senior running back who was named as a third-team pick. I'll have more in a moment. Here's to the couches, the lawn chairs. That worn-in recliner imprinted by yours truly. These are your front row tickets to a very different college football season. And while you can't be at the game, Seaspire brings the Crimson Tide to you with the fastest internet speeds for home and business. 
because slow is only good for replays. Oh. So call dibs on that seat next to the seven-layer dip. It's football season at Seaspire. Coach Wes Hart's Alabama soccer team had a great showing offensively in their home opener, topping the Tennessee Vols 3-1 at the Alabama Soccer Stadium. Bama will face a pair of consecutive road conference matches, starting with Mississippi State on Friday, followed by Florida on October the 4th. That's your Bama update. Crimson Tide today, brought to you by Seaspire, is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. What a beautiful day today, a bright sunny sky, the high 78 degrees. Clear and cool tonight, the low 57. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 79. Wednesday, clouds move in during the day. We'll have a chance of rain by Wednesday night. Wednesday's high at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you in part by Houston Hydra Steam. We can't emphasize it enough. Go ahead and take care of those floors, take care of those rugs, take care of the tile, the grout cleaning, do it all right now with Houston Hydrasteam. Outstanding service, outstanding work. Uh, they're going to respond. Very, very dependable. You need to make it happen now with Houston Hydrasteam. Check in with Jackie, locally owned, locally operated right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Houston Hydrasteam. Quality work you can stand on. Some winners and losers from the sports weekend. You know, we love the pro golf on the cable here, right? And so the U.S. Open was obviously a point of emphasis in the viewing schedule over the last four days. Bryson DeChambeau, man, as quirky as that cat is and as kind of crazy as his approach to golf seems to be, he did something at a U.S. Open that totally defies logic. The vomit and gouge approach that you see so many of these young guys take, you know, they're hitting at 350 out there, not worried about rough, not worried about bunkers, things like that, and then they just gouge out and try to make putts. Um, it worked for Bryson DeChambeau over the weekend at a golf course that is supposed to supremely penalize Miss fairways. You saw what happened to Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas missed too many fairways in his second and third rounds there at Wingfoot, and he paid the price. Not so much for guys like Bryson DeChambeau, even Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf shot a 65, I think that was on Saturday, 565, hit two fairways. You know, just not worried about it. Not worried about that rough. But Bryson DeChambeau, six under par. First major championship, seventh PGA Tour win, and uh, just very, very impressive. Bryson DeChambeau, a big winner from over the sports weekend. Once again, an outstanding job. I kept up with this here locally, mostly at Tide 109 on Twitter. But the high school coverage, Joe Gaither and his gang, his crew of guys and gals, they continue to knock it out of the park, told you. Among other things, you need to follow at Tide 109 for the high school football coverage. 
super stuff. Was able to keep up with scores and kind of what was going on on the prep front. How about our Northridge Jags, by the way? Improved to 5-0 and with a win over Brookwood on Friday night. Get Gordo, I believe, this weekend, Joe Gaither. Gordo on Thursday night at Pickens County High School. Oh, wow. So Tanner Bailey, right? The quarterback for Gordo. Uh, the 2022 prospect, who I believe has offers already from Alabama and Auburn, going to go against our Northridge Jags. 5-0, and Mike Vickery and the crew getting it done out there off Northridge Road. How about UA soccer, a winner on Saturday? You got some UA athletics fired back up over there on the campus. And Wes Hart's team with a 3-1 win over the University of Tennessee I guess we could call that the third Saturday of September in soccer. Wasn't the third Saturday in October, but the third Saturday in September, UA soccer. Back at it. 3-1 winners over the Vols. And did you see the entrance this morning? (laughs) Did you see Deion Sanders' introduction there as the new head coach at Jackson State? How about that? Deion enters the arena there at Jackson State for his press conference in a Cadillac Escalade with a state trooper police escort. And I mean, you would have thought Dion was taking over uh, at Texas A&M or something. It was, uh, it was great pageantry. It was great to have the Jackson State Band. Anytime you can get the Jackson State Band going, it's a good thing. And that was the case this morning over there at JSU. Dion Sanders, new head coach of the Jackson State Tigers. Now, it sounds like Dion says he's still going to finish serving as offensive coordinator at the high school level there in Texas where he's working. His son, by the way, is starting quarterback there at Trinity Christian in in Texas. So Dion says he's still going to finish up as offensive coordinator, and he's also added a media gig here in the last little bit. I guess he left uh, the NFL Network. And now Dion is with, what is it, Bleacher Report or Barstool? It's one of those. I can't get them straight. I think it's Barstool. Dion has recently accepted a gig with Barstool. Says he's still going to do that, too, and be the head coach at Jackson State. Wanted guy, right? And Dion Sanders. And what about the Atlanta Braves from over the weekend? Braves take two of three from the Mets. Are you feeling better about Kyle Wright if you're an Atlanta Braves fan? Is he turning the corner? Are you envisioning a starting rotation at this point of Freed, Anderson, a healthy Cole Hamels in Kyle Wright? Six and a third of one-hit ball up in Gotham yesterday. Braves get it done. Magic number to clinch another Eastern Division crown for the ATL. Is that six games? And the second place Miami Marlins visit Truist Park starting tonight over there in Atlanta. I'm going to head to a break and we come back. Let's get into some Alabama-Missouri talk. We'll do it with Dave Matter, Missouri beat reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. That and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Cut from ELO showdown. This is more in tribute to Bill Murray, famed comedic actor, turned 70 years old today. And that one is uh, from Kingpin. Big Earn McCracken, you might recall, in that one. Took on Munson there in the finals of the big uh, in the big bowling tournament there. Kind of the crescendo of that flick. Great flick, by the way. Bill Murray, 70 years old today. 
Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line here on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Welcome in a very special guest. Dave Matter does an outstanding job covering the Missouri Tigers for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Dave, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, wow, where do we start? I mean, we, like everyone else, got word last week that the Missouri Tigers were looking at a minimum of 12 players being out for Saturday's opener against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Is that still where the number sits, Dave, or is there anything new to add to that? I, I guess you're like everyone else, just waiting to hear from uh, Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, nothing to add to that. Drinkwitz hasn't met with the media since he shared that news last Wednesday. He, uh, he'll do his weekly uh, media Zoom on Tuesday afternoon. They will have had, I think, three or four more tests since Wednesday, since last Wednesday. So that number won't get any smaller than 12, but it, it could get bigger just based on positive tests and any close contacts to those positive tests that they've had. Uh, he didn't give any indication on you know what position group or who that might be that uh, that was out. You know, Missouri did have a closed scrimmage on Saturday, just from some of the photos and, and images that came out of that. You know, several of their more high-profile players were out there, um, but we we just don't really know who's it going to be and who's not going to play and and who could be added to that list. So it's a, it's kind of a mysterious game for sure. Yeah, Dave, keep it up with your stuff there with the post dispatch. You've kind of alluded to maybe the offensive line feeling the impact of this. Is is that an area that you think is of particular concern? I know it's an area where there was already some transition going on. What about yeah. that that Missouri offensive line in general? That's been the one position group that, that he has kind of focused on as far as having some turnover. And they've had some injuries there too. Hyron White, who is probably the third most experienced returning lineman is out with a shoulder injury that you know they haven't specified on how long that's going to be um but yeah they've had like a just a a real challenge trying to find a left guard i think at one point which said they had five different left guards and five straight practices they were just kind of rotating in there you know they're they're pretty set at three of the five positions or at least before any you know covid absences um, but the left side of the line has been kind of a challenge to fill that. So they're going to be they're going to have some inexperience on that front five for sure, no doubt on Saturday. Dave, uh, maybe a couple grad transfers going to help Mizzou on the offensive side of the ball. Perhaps one at a skill position, maybe one at the center position. I guess. Yeah, their center is Mike Maietti. He was Rutgers' starting center for the last three years. Pretty highly graded guy. Um, you know, Rutgers wasn't anything special, but he was one of their better players for sure. And he comes in with a lot of experience. You know, just looking at snap counts, I think he's about the third or fourth most experienced offensive lineman, at least in the SEC East. Um, and there's some there's some pretty veteran lines out there in this division. So yeah, he he was a. I don't know if he's going to be an instant upgrade because they lost a three year starter, but he will help solidify, you know, a, a position group that that has had a lot of turnover over the last year. So they're really happy with him. He was kind of a day one starter once he joined the team. Damon Hazelton at receiver, he has been uh, a starter at Virginia Tech the last couple of years, and he had 16 touchdowns the last two years combined. Um, so he is instant upgrade for a position that really needed some established playmakers. The problem there is he, he wasn't practicing early in camp. Um, he had a soft tissue injury, which is all that Drinkwitz would say about him, and it still seems a little bit up in the air if he's going to be available at the start of the season. It's just the team of a lot of mystery. You know, They closed practice for the first time ever. Uh, since I've covered Mizzou for 20-plus years, uh, you know, COVID's a part of that. And we just haven't had a lot of access to really know a whole lot about this team. So his, his status has been kind of a lingering storyline for a while. I guess some guys that, on the offensive side of the ball, actually have some experience against Alabama. Uh, when you talk about the, the skill positions, I know Jalen Knox got a touchdown pass here in Tuscaloosa two years ago. Uh, Tyler Beatty got a lot of work here a couple of years ago. Uh, Larry Roundtree, I guess, still around. What What about the pieces to go around this new quarterback that that's going to step in there? You know, the, the backfield is, is a pretty good situation to have when you've got Larry Roundtree as your returning starter. You know, he didn't have a great 2019, but he was a 1,200-yard rusher in 2018. And I think he's the leading career rusher in the SEC among all the returning backs. Part of that is just he's got so many carries. 
And then Tyler Beatty's a really good backup. I mean, he would be a he'd be a fine starter on a handful of teams in the Power Five level, probably. And he's been a um, a guy that's got kind of starters carries over the last few years in certain games for Missouri. So they're really happy about those two guys. Beatty is uh, he, he led Missouri in receptions last year, kind of by default because their receivers are so bad. But he uh, he's a really multi-dimensional back, somebody that I think really fits into what Drinkwitz likes to do with really opening up an offense. And then Knox, like you mentioned, he's a guy that has been an outside receiver at Missouri. They're going to move him around this year, move him on the inside. Well, he was a high school quarterback, so I think you can involve him in some, some trick plays and some, some more unconventional stuff. So they, they do have a nucleus of some proven players, um, but most of their damage was done when they had Drew Locke, an NFL starting quarterback, back there with them in, in 2018. You know, last year the offense just really fell apart. They just had they had some injuries, but they just couldn't fix their problems, and it was just a just a really rough year all around. Yeah, I know Kelly Bryant coming in as a grad transfer at quarterback from Clemson. He too encountered some of those issues. So with that. Was it at least a successful year in terms of bridging the gap between Locke and maybe the next guy with Kelly Bryant coming in there? And now you have Sean Robinson, the uh, uh, the TCU transfer at, at the quarterback position. I know there's some competition going on there, or there has been. Uh, you know, how is that sort of uh, how has that transition worked uh, when you when you talk about going from Locke a couple of years ago to what Missouri's looking at running out there on Saturday night. Yeah, there's not much transition because they just scrapped everything when they brought Drinkwitz in because he's an offensive guy. He brought in a completely new offensive staff. Um, you know, there there are some, some guys, you know, back from, from the past offense, but they're doing things a lot differently. His system is is very different. It's, it's still a no-huddle spread offense, but they'll mix in some different things. Um, you know, he, he likes to have, uh, you know, he'll, he'll throw it, deep a lot kind of a vertical passing game is what's kind of based around mixed in with the, the physical running game uh, i don't know if he has all the pieces this year to be the kind of offense he'd like to have when he was when he was nc state uh, offensive coordinator for a couple years ago at ryan finley a quarterback and it was more of a, a classic drop back passer with just a ton of playmakers around him that was a really really good offense i think you know that could be what missouri has uh, you know going forward at some point but i just don't know how much you know I don't know how much they really have a quarterback. Sean Robinson has played at this level. He started eight games at TCU, had some kind of mixed success, wasn't always healthy there. He's kind of probably the front runner for this job, but we just we don't really know. It's between him and Connor Bazelak, a redshirt freshman who started Missouri's finale last year at Arkansas, and then ends up tearing his ACL. So he had a he had a long offseason rehab, but then came back healthy enough to be able to compete for the job. So I I wouldn't be shocked if they don't play to some degree. I don't think it's going to be a rotation or anything like that throughout. 10 game season but um I, I just don't i don't think they're sold on either of them to the point where they know what they have at quarterback this is still a bit of a mystery defensively looks like there's a lot of experience back in that front seven led by nick bolton the guy that everyone's talking about after he led the sec a year ago in solo tackles with 74 uh, and another guy in bolton who has some game production against ua a couple of years ago he had a Season high eight tackles here uh, against Alabama in that matchup at Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, again, experience in the front seven, but you know when I think of Missouri football, certainly over the last decade, I think of pass rushers. You know whether yeah. it's been Michael Sam, Shane Ray, Coney Ely, Marcus Golden. Didn't seem like Missouri really had that last year. Dave, is you sensing there could be some improvement in the pass rush this time around? Yeah, you know, last year was was weird because their two best pass rushers were their defensive tackles, the nose tackle, Kobe Whiteside, and then Jordan Elliott, who left early for the NFL draft, I think was a third-round pick. But off the edge, you're right, they just haven't had that guy for a couple of years now. And it's, it seems like it's the one thing that kind of holds this defense back. It puts so much pressure on their secondary to hold up against, you know, even average, credible passing games, much less really good ones like Alabama. So, uh, they've got they've got guys that can they can be if not all SEC players be on the cusp of that. Bolton is one, obviously. I think Tyree Gillespie and Josh Bledsoe, their two safeties, are right there on the cusp of being considered some of the better players in the league. But without that consistent pass rush, whether it's off the edge or up the middle, uh, it's it's hard to be a really good defense in this league. You know, Missouri was top fifteen in the nation in most defensive categories last year. 
some of that is a little misleading because they were so bad offensively that teams didn't have to score 30 against them to win. So some teams could kind of go into cruise control in the second half because Missouri wasn't going to put up any points. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. That has kind of been the missing ingredient that they've been trying to find. And they, they did keep three of their five defensive coaches, including coordinator Ryan Walters, who now gets to run his own defense without Barry Odom here, kind of looking over his shoulder. So it'll be interesting to see what if they change much, if they build on what they've been, uh, and if they can finally find that, that missing ingredient, that pass rush from the edge. Yeah, just 19 sacks, I guess, last year for Missouri. That was – the lowest output yeah. for the Tigers in more than a decade or so, I think. So yeah. uh, need to get that going, no doubt about it. We're talking with Dave Matter. does an outstanding job covering the Missouri Tigers for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, even special teams, something to consider there. Tucker McCann, multi-year starter as a place kicker, most recently in camp, I guess, with the Tennessee Titans. And a guy who before he signed with Missouri, was actually committed to Alabama. So a little bit of a tie there. What about special teams for Missouri? Is that an area where maybe, you know, that that phase of the game might be able to pick up some of the slack in Drinkwitz's first year? Yeah, that, I think that's the hope. But you, you got some newcomers in some specialist role. They brought in a graduate transfer uh, hunter from the division. Kentucky's backup hunter in the last two years. Their starter's been an All-American. He's been really good, so... Maybe be in the back, you're, you're no slouch. But they, they uh, just for this year to be their punk will see and handle the job. Uh, they got a true freshman that they recruited uh, with a scholarship, Harrison Nevis, to handle the kicking job. He still has to hold off some walk-ons for that. That's another part of having closed practice. You just don't have a great idea of who's going to be those main guys. But you know, I, I think the, the guys on scholarship kind of get the first crack at it to see if they can live up to that status uh so there's gonna be some pressure on them you know mccann was he was never elite i would say but he more often than not kind of held the job down he actually punted for missouri last year and did a pretty good job at that um but now you've got newcomers and and at least with your partner you've got somebody who's done it to some degree in in this at this conference in this level uh in uh, grant mccannis is his name the, the new punter from kentucky what are we talking about we talking about 25 25 occupancy on saturday night there for Row Field, what what exactly are we talking about in terms of attendance for Alabama? That has Missouri? been what they initially talked about. I think for this first game, I think it's going to be closer to twenty percent. So you're you're looking at you know between it seems like this number changes every time you talk to somebody because everything with COVID changes from day to day. Um, but I, I you know, maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand if if they they max out at the capacity that they want to have. Um, so yeah. You know, there's going to be, I think they set last week, up to 1,000 students. Um, you know, and they're kind of doing a tiered system there with older students get the first crack at tickets. Uh, and then and then season ticket holders for the Missouri fan base, and there's that minimum that they have to uh, allow the uh, visiting team to have. So it's going to be it's going to be really weird just seeing the place with only so many fans like that, um, and especially in a big game with a, a big-name opponent coming. But we'll, we'll see how this evolves through the season if they end up allowing more every week. Yeah, and I guess with the news of Missouri being down 12 players already, we ought to be more focused on you know, Missouri actually being able to meet standards from a roster yeah. perspective. What's the what's the concern level right now, in your opinion, Dave? I know it's sort of impossible to predict with this stuff, right. but wh- where do you kind of sit on an expectation for this thing actually coming off on Saturday night? Well, you just you know, and Drinkwitz was asked that specific question last week, and he said, you know, with a with 111 people on our roster, we're not we're not worried about the hitting that overall threshold. But it is in the SEC that threshold of scholarship players only, and not just the total roster. You, you can play though if you're under the threshold. It, it says that in the in, in the in the new rule, so you can still choose to play even if you're under that a little bit. I would I would think maybe a little more concern is just those position specific limits that you have to you can't go under. And that's mm-hmm. and that's with the offensive line. I think Missouri has 15 scholarship offensive linemen. One or two of them have an injury right now that I wouldn't think that they would be available. But then you're you're hoping that your COVID numbers aren't too high on that position group to where you're you're just down to you know bare bones on on the offensive line. You know he he said a few times last week he was he was really hopeful he was not worried about anything as far as having to cancel the game or postpone it. I'll take him at his word, but again, when we talk to him tomorrow, um, six days will pass since uh, since we last talked to him. So, you know, like 
these things change by the day. So we'll, we'll see where they're at. In addition to authoring 100 Things Missouri Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, Dave, Math, Dave Matter authored the biography uh, for former Mizzou head coach Gary Pinkle, The 100-Yard Journey, A Life in Coaching, and Battling for the Win. Interestingly enough, the foreword for that book, produced by Nick Saban, good friend of Gary That's Pinkle's, right? right? Yeah, yeah, he did an awesome job with that forward, too. We weren't really sure what to expect at the time when we asked him to do it. Um, and I, I kind of, I wrote, you know, the book with Gary, but I contend that, that uh, Coach Saban's chapter might be the best. He really put his heart <laughs> into that. Had some, had some great details from their days as uh, GAs and teammates at Kent State. And we were we were just so appreciative of, uh, you know, of, of the efforts he gave. He really put, he, he didn't just hand it over to some, uh, graduate assistant or, or, or to a secretary to, to, to hammer out a few sentences. It was, it was really from the heart and it was, it was awesome. So there you go. If you're an Alabama fan, you have a reason to buy one of Dave's books. The Absolutely. biography on Gary Pinkle. Get some good stuff from Nick Saban in there. Hey Dave, we can't thank you enough, my man. Great work as always there at the St. Louis uh, post dispatch. And uh, thanks again. We'll look forward to doing it at some point down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. There you go. It's Dave Matter. Missouri beat reporter for the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Monday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier. Right after this, but a beautiful day today. A bright sunny sky, the high 78 degrees. Clear and cool tonight, the low 57. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 79. Wednesday, clouds move in during the day. We'll have a chance of rain by Wednesday night. Wednesday's high at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Dave Matter, Missouri beat reporter there for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I think we just about covered it, didn't we? We talked some offense. We talked some Missouri defense. We talked some stadium capacity for Faro Field on Saturday night. I think Alabama fans are still trying to raid that baby. Ticket man, you go to the secondary ticket man sites and uh, last check, those weren't for the faint of heart, those prices. No, no. Ticket man, he's not going to have sort of the inventory to work with in terms of quantity, but he's going to do good. He's going to do well on what he does have. He's going to be a winner on a Winners and Losers Monday. Speaking of winners, we better mention him here because he gets ornery. If you don't give Rusty credit, yeah, we hear you, Rusty. If you don't give Rusty the proper credit, he gets especially salty. He's pretty much salty anyway. But uh, before we took the week hiatus, that weekend leading into it, Rusty had a 3-0-1 week for you, and we also gave you a couple of road dogs that weekend. We gave you Duke on the road, getting, what was it? Duke was getting 20 at Notre Dame, lost by 13 in South Bend. And we gave you Georgia Tech on the road at Florida State. Tech was getting 13, one outright in Tallahassee. So we kind of teamed up with Rusty there to give you a 5-0 and Five zero in one week before we headed to the big sky. Yeah, Rusty. There you go. We mentioned it. Speaking of point spreads, you got some. Uh, you got some home dogs. Some pretty big home dogs in the Southeastern Conference. We'll have to see what Rusty thinks about those in the upcoming days. But Florida, a twelve-point road favorite at Ole Miss in Lane Kiffin's debut as Rebels head coach on Saturday. That's an eleven a.m. kickoff from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. That'll be an ESPN game. 
Also at 11 a.m. on Saturday, you got the Alvin Tigers. A lot of people interested in this one. Kentucky going to go down to Jordan-Hare Stadium looking for the upset. Auburn an eight-point favorite on the SEC network in that early game. And then speaking of debuts, you're going to have the Pirate, Mike Leach, Mississippi State at LSU. That's the CBS game on Saturday at 2.30. LSU a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. Might be a little high. That Mississippi State defense, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's not going to be that defense you saw a couple of years ago here in Tuscaloosa, right, that had three first-round picks on it. No, no, no. That's not this Mississippi State defense. So be careful. I know those 19-and-a-half look very attractive. Just be careful even with the attrition there at LSU. Speaking of home dogs, Arkansas getting 24-and-a-half with Georgia coming in there at 3 Central on Saturday. That's an SEC Network game. Alabama, a road favorite, 26 points, the Crimson Tide favor at Missouri. That, of course, the ESPN game. And again, I'm hoping we get Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, and Holly Rowe, that group. Holly's been doing a lot of WNBA bubble work, though. She may still be down there in Bradenton. I'm not sure. You're still into those WNBA playoffs. But hopefully we get at least McDonough and Blackledge on that ESPN game Saturday night. Also at 6.30, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. They're having to wheel SEC Network alternate out of cold storage. (sighs) For the Commodores and Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, by the way, He's kind of under the radar, had some significant losses, whether it's been injury to Baylor Cup, one of their top two tight ends here in the last couple of weeks, whether it was Jamon Osmond opting out, uh, one of their starting linebackers uh, just opted out here in the last few days, one of their very leading tacklers, Anthony Hines, opts out now. Not good for Jimbo here in the last week or two. And Tennessee is a three-point road favorite at South Carolina on Saturday night. That's an SEC Network game. So some games to consider as we move throughout the week. Coming up here in just a little bit, Nick Saban going to take to the podium virtually and address Game Week 2020. We'll have complete coverage for you right here at Tide 100.9 FM. As for your lunch plans on this Monday, we're going to tell you Go ahead and head over to Southern Ale House at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Outstanding options, as you know. Look, maybe you had a big weekend. Maybe you overdid it a little bit. Well, they can take care of you with the salads, too. You go light. You go lighter, anyway, at Southern Ale House, whether it's that chopped wedge, maybe that shrimp salad on spinach. Great, great stuff there at Southern Ale House. Thanks again to Dave Matter. Thanks to Joe Gaither and intern James on this Monday as well. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.